Once again, greetings. If you've not been here during the season of Advent, we are concluding that series tonight, and in God's providence and the schedule of things, we have a service tomorrow, Christmas Day. As we've been going through Advent, we have decided this year to preach especially to the children of our congregation, to direct our meditations and thoughts and exhortations to them. So just wanted you to understand if you were new tonight. Kids, I don't know if you're aware or not, but tomorrow is Christmas. Did you know that? Are you looking forward to Christmas, kids? It's a special day, isn't it? It's a feast day. What are some of the things that you do at your house to make Christmas special, to celebrate the feast of Christmas? Do you guys put up a tree at your house? Yeah? Do you decorate Christmassy things? Yeah? Do you, uh, has anybody made Christmas cookies yet? Gingerbread houses? No? We haven't done that either. Do you read Christmas stories? Some of us do. Do you listen to Christmas music? Okay. Everyone's favorite thing, of course, is to exchange gifts. Do you exchange gifts at Christmas? Yeah, that's probably why you know that tomorrow's Christmas. Last night, my family watched our favorite Christmas uh, movie together, The Muppet's Christmas Carol. That's our favorite. You probably have a favorite of your own, but that's a good one. There's lots of ways, kids, that we keep Christmas special, that we set it apart and make it special and keep this feast of Christmas. But what is it all about? What on earth are we doing all these special things for? What is, it, what is the point of this celebration of Christmas? Joe, you're not a kid. What did he say? Candy? What's the point? I see a hand. You don't have to, you can just yell it out. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's right. Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, coming and dwelling among us here as a man. That's what's behind our celebration of Christmas and all the special things we do. Or at least that's what's supposed to be behind what we do. That's supposedly what Christmas is all about. But it often, let's be honest, very often is not what's going on. There's a lot of people, have you noticed? There's a lot of people celebrating Christmas. It's like the whole world is celebrating Christmas. But not everybody who's celebrating Christmas has any thought or care for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in it for some other reason. And even you and me can very easily, we, we who know better, we know what the Bible says, we know what the reason for Christmas is, even us can easily get caught up in the celebration, the festivities, the excitement, the thrill of Christmas morning and forget what Christmas is about and forget to think about it or enjoy what Christmas is about or who Christmas is all about. The real joy of Christmas, kids, the real joy of Christmas is not in presents. It's not in decorations and parties. It's not in video games and American Girl dolls and Nike high tops or whatever it is that you're excited about, maybe hoping to get tomorrow. All that stuff 
is going to get old and die and wind up in the trash. It is. You're going to grow out of it. You're going to forget it. It's going to break. It's all going to go away. The true and lasting joy of Christmas is about the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself is the meaning of Christmas, and he is the one who brings true and lasting joy to our lives. That's why we're here tonight at church, to remember that that's what Christmas is about. And I'm thankful that Christmas falls on a Sunday so that tomorrow we have an opportunity to get back together again as a church and remember it again and hear the message of Jesus' birth again. So we know Jesus by his word. He's revealed himself to us in his word. So let's turn to his word together this evening. Now normally for a Christmas sermon, where are we going to go in the Bible for a Christmas sermon normally? Yeah, like the early chapters of Luke, that's the classic place. Maybe go to the early chapters of Matthew to hear a Christmas message because that's where we get the details and the facts and the circumstances and the story of Jesus coming into this world and being born as a baby to Mary and to his earthly father Joseph in a stable. That's where we find those facts. And those facts are important and they're delightful and they're significant. But we don't really look to Luke or the gospel writers for the significance so much of those events. They tell us the facts, but the apostles had some years go by after all these things happened, and they thought about it, and they prayed about it, and they talked to one another, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught them, and his spirit revealed to them the significance and the meaning of these events. And then they wrote letters to the churches, and sometimes they explained the, the, what's really going on about Christmas and about Good Friday and about all these other events in the life of Jesus. Tonight I want to draw our attention to a single verse of one of the Apostle Paul's letters, his second letter to the Corinthians. This is a verse that does a really good job of summing up Christmas in a nutshell. It's like if you distilled it all down and put it in a bottle and opened that bottle and poured it out, drank it, this is what the verse you'd get, okay? This is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I'm going to read it again. That's an amazing statement. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's a good summary of Christmas. All the themes of Luke 1 and 2 seem to be brought together and shown in their significance and their meaning, why it's so great for us. If you tried to explain the meaning of Christmas in a sentence, kids, I don't think you could do better than that statement right there. That's what it's all about. Let's think about it for a few minutes together. The first thing that the Apostle Paul wants us to know about Christmas, or if you will, the coming of Jesus into this world, is that it's about grace. It's about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? You hear that word a lot, kids. But do you know what it means? What is grace? When I was a kid, I heard this definition given a lot. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You guys ever heard that 
definition before? Am I the only Baptist, former Baptist here? Grace is unmerited favor. That's what I was always taught, but I didn't really know what that meant. Sounded nice, but I didn't really know what that meant. Let me try to explain to you what that means. Unmerited favor or grace really just means good things that you get that you don't deserve and you didn't earn. Good things that come to you that you don't deserve and you haven't earned. That's what grace is. The coming of Jesus into this world is about that. Good thing from God that you haven't earned and you don't deserve. And so Christmas magnifies the grace of God, the kindness of God. It involves something from God that we don't deserve. What do we deserve from God? Kids, are you listening? What do you deserve from God? Nothing. That's a good answer. But there's something better. There's a better answer. Let's be real honest. What do you deserve from God? Yes. Death. For how long? Forever. And what is that death, as this Bible explains it, does, what does it consist of? This eternal death. It's like agony and torment. That's what we deserve. Why do we deserve that? That's, scripture is really clear and unapologetic about that. That's what we deserve in our nature. That's what we were born in this world doomed to. What, why, why, why do we deserve eternal death and punishment and torment and hell from God? Kids, why? Because we're sinful. Thank you, Ezra. Because we're sinful. Because of our pride. Because of our lying. Because of our selfishness. Because of our greed. Because of our what? Can you name what? Because of our lies. All those things we're guilty of. And before that, we had upon us the guilt of our father, Adam, who sinned. And we inherited his guilt before we did anything. And out of that guilty sin nature, we've just added sin of our own. And so we don't deserve any goodness from God, but only his wrath and his justice. And he would be completely within his rights. Nobody could justly complain against him if he destroyed us in his anger. So Christmas, instead of destruction, what does it bring? What does it announce? What's the Christmas message? It's a message of, of eternal life. Exactly the opposite. You deserve eternal death, and Christmas announces the way of God peace with God and eternal life. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That's the message of Christmas. God makes himself known and as a Savior, as a Savior. He bends low to help us in our need, in our desperate need for salvation and rescuing. He comes down in the form of Jesus, the Son of God, as a man, and he bears our sorrows and carries our griefs he moves toward us in love and compassion. That's the grace of God and it's something we don't deserve. That's what begins to happen. That's the, the 
the plan of salvation that God begins to work here at Christmas. Has God been kind to you? How has God been kind to you? You can, you can just answer out loud. You don't have to raise your hand. Yell it out. He's given you life? What? Yeah? How has he been gracious to you? By forgiving your sins. Amazing. How has God been kind to you? Given you family who loves you. How else has he been kind to you? Forgiving our sins? Taking them away. Yeah. How else? Job, you have a, has God been kind to you? How? Gave you a house, got it done. All right. I think he was kind to all of us in that. God has been kind, hasn't he? And very gracious. What is grace again? Getting good things from God that you don't deserve and you haven't earned. God's been very gracious in so many ways. We didn't even start to name half of them, but we did, I heard several people name them the best one, the most important one. He has forgiven us our sins. He's made a way for us to be at peace with God and to have the promise and the hope of life forever. Do you deserve those things? Have you earned those things? Is there anything in you that would force Jesus to give you any of the good things that you have? No. No. The only obligation he was under is his own love. And he is full of love and kindness. So are you thanking Jesus for his grace this Christmas? Because Christmas is about grace. And we should give thanks to God and remember ourselves and be humble. Where is your gratitude to God going to be tested tomorrow? Where is your humility and your sense of yourself going to be tested tomorrow? Where do you think, Boaz? Yeah. And when you open your gifts and... And you see what's inside, and, and you don't want it. That's not what you hoped for. What are you going to do? Well, remember, everything you have, everything you have that's short of destruction and hell is a kindness from God. And remember that behind that gift that may be not quite what you were after is somebody who loves you, and wants to give you something good, and that's a kindness from God. Be grateful for it. Like really grateful. Not pretend grateful, but stop and and remember yourself. And remember, I don't deserve that. That's a good thing. I'm glad for it. How did Jesus demonstrate his grace at Christmas? The verse goes on. He gave up stuff for us. That's what it says. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He gave up stuff for us. That's how he showed us his grace. Paul says Jesus was rich and he voluntarily made himself poor. Why? 
for our sake, for us. What riches did Jesus give up? You know that Jesus didn't start to live the moment he was conceived in Mary's womb. That's not the beginning of his life. When did the life of Jesus begin? It never did. It never began. It has no beginning. He has always been. So before the world was made, Jesus existed. He was with God. He was God. And he was with his Father, speaking all things into existence, imagining things, universes and galaxies, making the world. He had no limits on his power. He just spoke and things happened. Amazing things happen. He didn't. Jesus enjoyed infinite power, infinite happiness, infinite delight in all his works. Was Jesus ever hungry when he was with his father before he was conceived in his mother's womb? No. Was Jesus ever tired? No. Did Jesus ever suffer? Did he ever have any need? No, he was completely satisfied and content and blessed and worshipped and glorified. He enjoyed the fullness of his Father. They worked together. It was just an amazing thing that Jesus enjoyed. And he set that aside. He set a lot of it aside. Not his godness, because he could never give that up. But he added to it manness. And as he added that to himself, as he took upon your nature and my nature, he accepted a lot of limits for a time on his power and on his glory. It was veiled, it was limited voluntarily. He set these things aside. It says in another passage of Scripture, he emptied himself and became man. And so he humbled himself. He lowered himself. He allowed himself to diminish in some ways for your sake and for my sake. Jesus gave up many privileges and freedoms and enjoyments and accepted much suffering and coming to this world. He suddenly was able to get sick. He suddenly needed daily food. He suddenly fought temptation and felt need and loss and all kinds of things that were, I guess, new to him. But he didn't just take the form of a man. He took the form of a low man, a servant. He was born low. He who was worshipped and glorified by the holiest of angels, who was so radiant in glory that they had to cover their eyes to look at him, became somebody men hid their faces from because they were embarrassed of him. He was just so nothing special. He was born to humble parents. We've talked about that. He was born in a humble place. And under humble conditions, we've talked about that. You know, when he was 30 and he was in his ministry, he was like a homeless wanderer. He said, I don't even have a home. I don't have a place to lay my head. 
He was at the mercy of other people. He went about ministering as a servant to, to men. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He washed his disciples' feet. The king of the universe got down and got a towel and some water and washed his, the dirty feet of his disciples. He became a servant of all. And in the end, what did he do? He gave up his life. He suffered and died. He let people spit at him and mock him, and he was silent. He didn't refuse it. He accepted it as God's will for him and out of love for his people. He gave up his life as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, why did Jesus do all that? Why did he do that, kids? It says in the verse, if you can read, look on the screen. Why did Jesus do this? Though he was rich, yet for your sake, for he became poor. Why did he do that? So that you and me, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus made himself poor so we could get rich. Isn't that amazing? He wanted to enrich you. He wanted to bless you. He wanted to make you have and enjoy the blessings that he had given up. He wanted to give you hope for the future. He wanted to redeem you. Jesus made himself poor so we could be rich. Not rich in Legos. Not rich in dollhouses or gift cards. Rich in the way that really matters. Rich toward God. Did you know that you could be rich toward God? Jesus himself said so in Luke chapter 12. He taught a little parable. I want to read it to you because it's really instructive. Listen to this. And he told them a parable saying, a parable is like a little story with a point. He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. It bore a lot of good fruit. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? I got so many crops, I don't have enough storage barns for it all. What should I do? Then he said, well, this is what I will do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night your soul is required of you. This very night you're dying. You're worried about the future. You're satisfied about the future. And you're a fool because you put your hope in all of your produce and all your barns and all your years of plenty. You're a fool because this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So, the man who stores up, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Did you know you could be rich toward God? Jesus warns us not to be too concerned about the riches of this world, not to be concerned about what 
we're going to have to eat or drink or wear tomorrow, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, worry about these things, says Jesus. We are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he will add all these things to us. But how, how can you be rich toward God? Because it's clear from the parable that God wants us to be rich towards him. That's what Jesus is counseling. How can you be rich toward God? If you were rich toward God, what would it look like? Anybody have an idea? If you were rich toward God and not rich in Legos or drumsticks or these kinds of things, the things that are on our minds tonight, if you were rich toward God, what would it look like? Yeah? Righteousness. How would you be rich? How would you get some righteousness if you wanted to be rich towards God? Yeah? Jesus came to give you righteous and to righteousness and to make you righteous before God, which would lead to a heart of obedience out of gratitude. Yeah, so righteousness, that's a sign of a heart that's rich towards God. What about peace with God? Peace with God. Having God's approval on your life, that would be rich. Who cares what anybody else thinks? If God is pleased with you, you feel that and you know it and you can sleep well at night and you can have happiness and joy that nobody can buy. No money can buy that. Jesus came to bring that kind of thing to us. That, rich, that richness. He came to enrich us towards God. What else? What are some other ways you could be rich towards God? Yeah? Yeah, having the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, bearing good fruit for God. That's to be rich towards God. Absolutely. Jesus made himself poor. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He gave his life to make you rich in those ways. And if you're rich in those ways, you're the richest man in the history of the world. The richest girl, the richest boy, the richest mom or dad, the richest pastor, the richest servant, whatever you are. You're the richest person in the history of the world. Nobody gets richer than that. To be rich towards God is to have everything you ever need. You can put up with an awful lot of loss. A lawful lot of going without if you have the riches that come from Jesus Christ. Peace with God, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Godliness. Spiritual riches. Those are riches indeed. Well, that's what's really going on at Christmas. It's about grace. About God sending you something sending me something that we don't deserve and we could never earn. Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about His grace coming to us. It's about Him humbling Himself and making Himself poor to make you rich in the things that really matter, the things of God. And this is cause for great rejoicing. So it's right for us to celebrate Christmas because this stuff is really rich and really wonderful. 
and worth celebrating, worth throwing a big party for, worth moms and dads going to a lot of trouble for. Because the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us is truly wonderful. Since this is the true meaning of Christmas, how should we celebrate it tomorrow? Okay, kids, this is our last question. Since Jesus made himself poor to make us rich in the things of God, how should we celebrate his tremendous gift tomorrow? What do you think? By worshiping him. Did somebody say praise? Excellent. By praising him. Are you going to praise him tomorrow? Now, it ha- it's handy that you're coming to church and you have to. But when you wake up in the morning and you see the presence under the tree, stop and say, praise Jesus for his goodness. I have such mercy in my life. He is good to me. I love him. Praising. What else? What else? How should we worship and celebrate Jesus tomorrow, Christmas Day? By being thankful. Thankful to him. Thankful to others. What else? By loving him. What else? How, what? By loving others. How did Jesus love us? By sacrificing himself for us, didn't he? Can we sacrifice a little bit of our desires and a little bit of our privileges for others tomorrow? Somebody wants to play with our toy, you think we can let them? You think we can be happy about it too because Jesus was happy to give us all things? Yeah. Can I pray for us that Jesus would help us celebrate Christmas as Christians? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about celebrating Christmas as Christians and not being like the world. I like all we're doing. I like the decorations. I like the trees. I like the presents. I like the time with family. But let's worship the Lord and love him and honor him with all these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your blessed son, Jesus, and his grace. Thank you, Lord, that he gave up so much to come here. And he suffered so much to be here. And all for our sins and all for our sake. Thank you for his love. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. And I pray that tomorrow you would help us to honor you and rejoice in you and to celebrate Christmas with believing hearts and thankful hearts and worshipful hearts and loving hearts and obedient hearts and sacrificing hearts. Help us to be thankful to those who give us things Help us to be cheerful and giving and sharing. Father, I pray that you'd bless all the children of our church and that they would, be, that they would know you. Reveal yourself to them and make them to know you and to love you with all their heart. And give us all great joy in our Savior, Jesus, this Christmas. Amen.